I'm Jason. He's Rich. This is Remastered. Tonight we're talking about the differences between games of today and games of yesteryear. And we're not talking Monopoly. We're not talking Risk. We're talking like Pitfall and Mario Brothers. Yeah. Good games. Good games. And for me, it's mostly going to come from those two genres. We got the Atari 2600. That was my thing growing up. You know, your old wood paneled smells like it's burning whenever you turn it on console. That was terrific. I loved that thing. I missed that smell so much. It Just, was the smell of the, the dust motes getting inside and burning on the contacts. That w- That's what it was. You just don't get that smell from computers anymore. No, I, you don't. Even though if you were to open up my desktop right now, it would be dusty as hell. I think it's just one of those things that is just lost for all time. I, I really miss picking up a cartridge. It doesn't matter what from, an Atari 2600, the original NES, uh, the Genesis, whatever it might be, and having to blow the dust out of the contacts. You see, I have such little uh, experience with cartridges compared to you. Just In fact, compared to you, barely any. In fact, I don't think I've ever owned a, co- a cartridge-taking device. Oh, come oh. on. You don't have that, that wonderful memory of sticking those suckers in and having to wrestle with them and jam them around until the blue screen changes into the game screen. Yeah, there, there was the Philips G7000 which was sort of the first gaming device ever in our house. So this would have been... Oh, man. A Philips. Those things were death. I always forget what the American name for them were. A Magnavox Odyssey. Yeah. Yeah, it was the answer to a trivia question we had on Atomic Trivia War a little while ago because it was um, one of the failingest systems ever made. I think maybe it was the the worst-selling system ever made. My dad bought one. could have that wrong. My dad bought one. My granddad bought one. Is what happened. And they were awful. I rem- Let me try and remember a few of the games. They were, we, it, it was just horrific. I mean, the graphics were so bad. The, the men on the screen were made up of like four pixels, five pixels, something like that. Well, it was akin to the 2600, where you really did have two and four bit graphics. Oh, yeah. I mean... Kids today just don't know they're born. I'm going to say that a lot. Kids today, they just, they have no idea. Um, so the, and they, the cartridges on that were enormous. I, I honestly believe you could kill someone with one of those cartridges. Now, that's the weird thing, isn't it? Because if you look at the different iterations of the early cartridges, you've got like the Atari 2600. Not bad. It was the size of a wallet cartridge, right? I mean, yeah. they... You could fit them in a pocket, a, a jeans pocket, if you had to. And then other things like the, what was it, the 7200 and the 5800, they, I mean, we're talking about like five and a quarter inch floppy size discs on some of those. They got, they became enormous. I mean, NES cartridges aren't really all that small, are they? No, NES cartridges were really pretty big, especially if you get the ones that had like the extended pop tops on them so that they could slide memory chips in. Like, do you remember the original Legend of Zelda? I don't know. No, that, that original NES Legend of Zelda cartridge had an extra little space. It, it was gold on the top because it was a special game, and it, it was. But the great thing about that cartridge was that it had a memory chip on the inside so that you could store save game data, and it was one of the first ones to have that. Yeah, there was nothing like that on the G7000. Nothing at all. It was uh, quite a primitive system. I remember it had that big keyboard on it, and nothing ever used that big keyboard. It was meaningless. The what now system? What are we talking about? The, it's the Magnavox Odyssey. I'll send you. I'll put a link in the chat room. Oh, okay. I, I wasn't sure. I thought you called it a G7 or something. No, it, in in the UK it was called a, a Philips G7000. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I I don't know if there was a later. A, oh yeah, there was a 7200, which had a built-in black and white display. Oh, awful, awful, awful thing. We had some bizarre games for that, including Munchkin, which was a complete and total ripoff of Pac-Man. But That's what a lot of those systems did, because you had like the ColecoVision that would come out with their cheap knockoff games. It would be like the, the brand name game, like Space Invaders, but it would be like Space Crusaders or something like that. Right. See, I've, never, then, I've never played on a ColecoVision. Well, I mean, it was just a, a Sears brand Atari is really all that it was, and the controller... Looked almost exactly like a uh, like a remote control with a little uh, joystick knob on it. Oh, I see. Yeah, and it had it had like a dial pad on it too. I don't remember ever having to use that for a game. Right. 
Was that not like a little joystick? Uh, well, the Atari joystick was really, really simple. I mean, it was just a base with one button and the, the actual stick. The ColecoVision added, it was flat, somewhat like the successor, you know, how the, the NES went to a flat game pad. Yeah. Well, the ColecoVision was kind of like that, but it was vertical, and it had a dial pad on it, like a phone. Uh, looked like a big brick cell phone. And then at the top, um, it had a, a little knob, almost like a like an N64 controller or or something like that. You know, one of the just little joystick knobs that you could rotate. Yeah. Oh, I see. Right. I just have to, I'm just twiddling a knob. Bear with me. I did a... No, that's worse. Hello? No. <laughs> Do you know what? I did a uh, Starbase 66 a week or two ago, and the Admiral had me twiddle, twiddle my knobs, and since then it's never been right. Well, it sounds like a good time. Does it sound... Do I sound okay to you? You sound just fine. But I mean, you know, having somebody tell you to twiddle your knob, that can't be bad. It, it, was, it was strange. I must admit, I didn't see it coming. But I think I'm good now. I've turned up my headphone volume and turned myself up a bit. We're good. I hear a weird little beeping in the background. Is that anything? That might be my computer fan you can hear. Oh, okay. All and right. It'll it's be... not feedback, though. Could it be? It's, it's just an infrequent beeping. Right. That's probably just my computer fan cutting through the noise gate. Good deal. And we're fine. Okay. There shouldn't be. I can't think of anything else that would be beeping. <laughs> I take my phone's off and yeah, it's not doing anything anyway. Okay, right. Yeah, we're good. Ignore me. Where were we? Sorry, ColecoVision. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, Wikipedia page now. I'm not sure it ever came out here. Oh, I doubt it. It, it was always a, a, a an off-brand. It was the second fiddle to the Atari here. Right. Yeah, it never it never came out here. I don't. I'd ne I've never seen one of these in real life at all. See, we we went. My my dad took us because you know. This is what the very early 80s we're talking about. And so I was an infant. I, w I wasn't making informed buying decisions over which gaming devices should come into the house. You know, that was my dad, who was uh -huh. probably at the time a little bit younger than I am now, which is terrifying. But I know, doesn't that blow your mind? Yeah. But I was looking at pictures the other day from my family history and thinking, wow, I was like six or seven in that picture, and my dad was... Oh God, my dad was thirty. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just terrifying. I mean, yeah, I was born in seventy nine. My dad was twenty eight. So we're talking. Yeah, he's probably around the time we're talking. He's probably about thirty years old, something like that. And I'm thirty three and a half right now. So we had we had the Philips G seven thousand. As I understood it, my granddad had his first because uh, he was he seemed to love all that stuff. Uh, and then my dad got his based on that or hours whatever now i find that really interesting it was your parents then who uh introduced you to console gaming my dad was a total geek and he would play w with you yeah wow absolutely uh um, my parents were a little bit less enthusiastic about it they, they never really cared they would never have purchased for me any kind of console and as a matter of fact they always did refuse to buy me an NES. That that was something that they just said, no, we're not going to do. Oh, yeah, yeah I was, had that too. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if it was a fundamentalist thing that played into it or just that that was like the trend in parenting at the time or what. But, yeah, they put their foot down about the NES. I had to play those vicariously at friends' houses. But they did go ahead and cave and get me an Atari 2600. So I played the heck out of that thing for long, long past its prime. And it was um it wasn't my parents it was definitely an uncle who got me into playing video games. Right. Yeah, no, it was my my dad's fault. Entirely my dad's fault. So how did he start you off then? What did he get you? Well, he, he, it wasn't a case of getting it for me. He wanted this stuff. Oh. Okay. And and so it was merely <laughs> in the house and I was of course allowed to do it and we would play together because my mom was never interested. Bizarrely she is now in the right kind of thing. I've probably said this before on a show. She loves Guitar Hero. Really? Loves Guitar Hero. Um, they play together. The they, you know, my dad is in his early sixties now. My mum's fast approaching. Well, she's just hit sixty. No, she hasn't. That's next year. Oh, she'd actually kill me for that. <laughs> she'd 
actually stabbed me for that. Anyway, um, yeah, they play Guitar Hero together. They have uh, a what did they get? They got Guitar Hero three or World World Tour, and they got two copies. So they have a guitar each, which they have customized with the stickers that come in the box, and they play through that. Uh, they also have the Beatles Rock Band game. And they bought the big pack that came with the drums and the guitar and everything. And apparently my mother sings. Those games have done wonders for pulling families together here in the past decade or so. We played at Christmas. What can we, I say? Uh, you know, I have the big uh, rock band and guitar hero set up here in the basement, too. I've got a couple guitars. I've got the drum kit. Um, it's all the PS2 version, so it's not like the really cool stuff, but... Um, have it all set up here. And when my parents have visited for the past couple times, we've gradually introduced them to it. And I've gotten it to the point where my dad will rock out to it, although his rhythm is terrible. So he's, he's really, really <laughs> bad. But it's fun. My brother, my sister, my dad, I think we even got my mom in it one time. Uh, my wife, me, we'd all take turns jumping in and competing and seeing who could go the best and score the highest runs and that sort of thing. Uh, it really helps to alleviate some boredom because when your parents visit, I'm not, I'm not sure if you feel the same way, but I never know what to do with mine. Uh, mine are usually, when they come here, they're usually pretty good because they usually take us all out for dinner somewhere, uh, which solves a lot of problems. And then you've got the obligatory Barkley walk, which, which, you know, usually kills some time. And well, you it know, sounds like yours live close enough that they're visiting for a few hours and leaving. Yeah. They're, they're about an hour and a half away. Mine uh, live six hours away. Right. So when they come, they come for days at a time. Right, I see. And so you're left for afternoons going like, God, I mean, we can go out tonight if you want, but for the next four hours, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, you see, we stay over at Christmas. We go over there, and that's that's usually a bit longer, but there's there's always stuff to do. It's It's not too bad at all, to be honest. But again, that's because my dad is how he is. He's becoming yeah. less of a geek now. He, he's, he's kind of quietly said to me that it's all just, there's far more to it all than he cares to know about anymore. Mm -hmm. And he just wants stuff to just do what he needs it to do. There's no denying the fact that he is a serious user of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, he, he would like to deny it, I think, but he's there with his 24-inch iMac and his Android phone. Work have just insisted he have a BlackBerry, which he, he has an opinion of, and it is that it sucks. And he wants a tablet device and things like that. It's, uh, he'll, and he, he tries to get, now he tries to get me to egg him on. I'll get phone calls from him that instead of saying hello, he'll say, so why do I need an iPad? And then he'll, that, that what ex he expects to follow is me to tell him many reasons why he needs an iPad. So he can then go and get one. And that he has a connect for his Xbox, for God's sake. It's unbelievable. It's it's wow. no it's it's no wonder that I got into this stuff. Yeah. So it's entirely his fault. And we used to play together a lot. Absolutely. It's it's do you know what? It kinda makes me sad that we don't play games together anymore, and we so could. I just need to find the right games. I cannot wait for Ryland to be of age to play games with me because that's something I think that we're going to set up aside. Mom is definitely not going to do it. Lisa just doesn't play games. That's not her thing. She doesn't see the value in them. She would much rather be up and doing something physical. But Ryland and I, you know, she's only nine months right now. Give it time. Yeah. Uh, but when she's two or three, I'm telling you, that Wii is going to come in. It's going to be priceless. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, it it must be great. We could, you know, I could still play with my dad. He has his Xbox with Xbox Live. We could, we we just need to find the right game, because I think he'd suck at Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah, you you have to find something that's skill appropriate. Yeah, which, like I was saying, with Guitar Hero, with my dad, if they don't have the talent, they're probably because of the way that psychological development works, they're probably not going to gain it through practice. Yeah. Mind Video you, games are very much a young man's, uh, well, not a young man, a young person's thing. Yeah. See, now he does like first-person shooters. It's not that that is a problem. You know, he, he's he's generally sort of one version behind with the Call of Duty games because he usually borrows mine um, or bugs me long enough that, and I say no, that he just goes out and buys his own damn copy. Um, 
so he's alright with that, but if we played online, he'd be eaten alive. There's just no doubt about it. I am. I am usually destroyed by the, the children on uh, Call of Duty and things like that. So I don't think he'd have a good time. If Isn't we, that the most emasculating thing, though? Absolutely. To hear them calling out in those squeaky little my balls haven't dropped yet voices. Well, we just turn that... When when I play online, I play with, you know, so Andrew, who I'm from Tech It or Leave It, and uh, a couple of other guys. And we play... We are specifically playing together. So you can, on the Xbox, you just go on what's called Party Chat, where you just can talk to the people in your group that you're playing with and so you cut out all the other rabble because yeah who wants to hear that you don't want to hear that and sometimes they talk to you and even regardless of what you say they then want to be your friend and things like that and you think look kid i i don't want to be friends with a 12 year old boy that is just fucking creepy and we are not friends really so i find it very strange but dad wouldn't like that I think if we could play Age of Empires against each other, that's the ideal sort of setup. They, there's an online version of that now as well, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And it wasn't too great. I tried it out. I'm not sure if it's just because I'm past the whole RTS thing. Like, I mean, if we're talking about video games of yesteryear, that is definitely a genre that I burned out in yesteryear. I don't care if I never play another real-time strategy game again. Fair enough. It's I, I kind of miss them. I'd like a, a good one. I don't know. Once in a while, I'll install like Total Annihilation or Warcraft 2, you know, and oh, I go back and try to... Total Annihilation was awesome and so goddamn easy. It was ridiculous. Total Annihilation was probably the best of that entire genre. Uh, the, the, like, 90, what, 92 when those started all coming out with like Dune 2 and all that, probably... Yeah. The best of all of them until you got up into the 3D era. Yeah, Dune 2 was... I can't believe how much I played that game to say I've never even seen the film. I have no interest in Doom. Every, in, uh, Dune. Everything I know about it, I know from that game. Okay. And it's you need bizarrely to enough ignore the film. Never, ever worry about the film. Just read the book. Because it's terrible. I know. I've, I've, you know, uh, Mike is very much a fan of Dune. So he, he tells me a lot. Uh, but... It's it's just not something I've ever really gotten into. But Dune I, is such a weird thing. It's so divisive because the properties are of such varying degrees of quality. Like, I will swear to the day I die by Dune, the original novel. But I couldn't care less if you read anything past then. There's uh, Dune Messiah. There's uh, House Harkonnen. There's House Atreides. All these different um, sequels that go in different directions down the timeline in the Dune universe. I don't care about any of that. There's the video games. There's the sci-fi original TV movie. There's the David Lynch movie. Um, the David Lynch movie is terrible. The sci-fi one is okay. But I don't care about any of that. If you want to do yourself a favor, just read the original novel. Or if you got to, uh, go to audible.com backslash, what is it? Uh, it's audiblepodcast.com slash movies. Audiblepodcast.com slash movies and get the audiobook. I hear great things about that audiobook. I really do. It's not just a straight reading of the book. I'm actually, I'm saying that to you. I'm assuming you know what it is because you're recommending it. <laughs> it's a very, very good book. Yeah. Um, I might, I might go into it. But do you know what? What you learn about it on the computer game is enough to carry on a conversation about it with someone who has read the book. I don't think that I've ever played more than a few hours of Dune 2, to be honest. It was always that legendary one that never quite worked on the hardware that I had. Right. Yeah. See, there that's, were always problems porting it to the different chipsets. That's why I got out of PC gaming. It's horrible. It, it, you have... Oh, I, I'd much well, prefer consoles now. <laughs> Just we're talking guess. about 386 and 486 days. We don't have those was, problems no, anymore. It was terrible in those days, wasn't it? It Just, was. You you spent hours and hours and hours getting individual games to work. Like, if you want to talk about games of yesteryear, that's really the, the thing you want to talk we, about. Do you know you what? Your... Do you know what? Scrap this whole idea. Let's talk about games of the 90s, because everybody knows about games of the 80s. That was That's documented enough. The oh, pain, I, the pain. I don't think that we need to go over Yars Revenge and River Raid and, and all those. I, I, I think that you're you're really talking about your Dune, or your Doom, rather, your Quakes. Yeah. 
yeah, this let, let's talk about the 386, 486 Pentium era of games because that to me is when the real pain arrived. We're talking about late high school for me. Me too. And um, I think, well, Wolfenstein 3D is really where it started to get interesting. See, now for me and for my friends at the time, the PC was kind of delayed a little bit because we very much had the Amiga. The Amiga was huge over here. Uh, we had two at one point. Kevin always talks about, you know, Kevin, our, our friend from Atomic Trivia War, he grew up in Canada but has spent some time and has some family in England. So he's back and forth. He's got that cultural um, overlap. Oh, that's that what's wrong with him. I know. Yeah. I know. That's, that's kind of why we want to burn him with fire. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's always talking about the Commodore 64 and the Amiga. And for me, those were platforms that kind of got skipped. Yeah, I, I completely understand. It was like that for a lot of people. It, it really was. But uh, for in, in England, the Amiga was just enormous. We had a Amiga 600. That's where it started. Because we, we stuck with the Amstrad for a long time. You won't know what that is. You didn't get it. It was just one of those. Um, God, what is... The, the statistic is, at the high point in the 80s of the... British computer industry, there were 600 different computer manufacturers mm -hmm. making 600 incompatible computers. And bizarrely enough, they didn't all survive. Who'd have thought? But the Amstrad was one of the, the top ones. It did very well. And we kind of, we stuck with that for a while. We, we started on an Amiga 600, which was great. And the Amiga 1200, which we had the megabyte of RAM upgrade. <laughs> I'd, I'd love that. And that yeah. was £35, I remember. Uh, the Yeah, for a megabyte of RAM. And that allowed it so that when I played Wing Commander, you could see the hand move on the joystick in the cockpit. That now, you're was talking about that, the original Wing Commander. You're yeah. not talking about when they started to get fancy with no, Wing Commander no, no. 3 and 4, where they would have the video integration with, and all that with stuff. With Mark Hamill and Porn Stars. Right. Yeah, no, I'm talking about Wing Commander 1 when it first came out. Uh, and that's what the one megabyte upgrade allowed me to do. The game works without it. You just, when you, you know, because it's sort of a view of inside of a cockpit, for people who don't know, and you're looking out through the window of the, the spaceship cockpit, shooting down. It was very much a, a forerunner to, like, the um, uh, TIE Fighter and X-Wing yeah. Fighter games. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and where was it? So, yeah, and, and inside, without the one megabyte upgrade, the... You could see the legs of yourself and the hand on the joystick. And with the upgrade, the hand moved when you moved the joystick. Not even like in a kind to the same degree that you'd moved the joystick because it was so digital, just left, right. And that was what it did. Uh, and we had that for many years before we got a PC. The first PC we got was a Pentium. So there was a huge, huge jump. Can you go back for just a second on that first one that you were talking about? Do you remember any of the other system specs? For the Amiga? Right. I, I shall just Wikipedia it. Um, was, was it very much a, a singular uh, product? I mean, there were, weren't different versions, different processor speeds, anything like that? Uh, no. you got Well, the, the differentiation was that it was the 1200 and not the 600. Okay, that, so there were was, different yeah. classes of it. <coughs> yeah, pretty Like with much. your modern Xbox 360, you can get different different versions, different no, models. No, no, um, the, the 1200 was more powerful. It would be more akin to the iMac MacBook Pro that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, in fact, the, the Amiga ran on the same PowerPC architecture that the Macs did at the time. Commodore were approached by Apple to be bought or to work in close cooperation. The idea being that they would sort of promote the PowerPC platform together, and the Amiga would take the place of the, the home consumer device, and the Mac would be represented in the professional business area. And Commodore said, no, we're fine, and then they shut down. So, bad move there. Should have worked with Apple, in my opinion, but, you know, looking back at things, it's easy to say that, really. Uh, but it was it was a great machine. Loved it. And the, yeah, we, we had PCs in the house because my dad brought them home from school. So I'm familiar with the idea of making boot disks. 
Oh, yeah, that was terrible. If you've never made a boot disc, don't tell me you know about computers. You know, don't don't pretend to know what you're talking about if you've never made a floppy boot disc so a game can run. The buddies over at the frontrowcrew.com forums, uh, you know, the folk, the guys who do geek nights. Of course, Raymond yes. Scott. Yeah, we were talking, the, actually, I think it was just yesterday here about that, about um, how there's this big problem where there's a lot of kids who want to get into computers, like computer science, and they've never really messed around under the hood. They don't have that same experience because computers now do everything for you that they need to do in the background. There's no real push to have to do anything with file systems or command lines or prompts or anything like that. And if you want to be a computer scientist, that's a big handicap. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I totally agree. Kids just, you don't get the uh, opportunity to poke around in there anymore. But I remember having to rewrite like autoexec.bat files, uh, you know, to like tell the computer, hey, when you boot up, I want to be able to play Commander Keen. You need to load this, 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 and this driver. So here we go. Here's the here's yeah. the lines of codes that are going to tell you how to do that. The the idea that your computer just wasn't good enough to be switched on and run a piece of software. So you needed to select what it would boot up with in order to be able to run your game. The uh, very first PC that my family had in the house was an IBM 286. Uh, it had 16 megahertz processor. It had a f- uh, 4 megs of RAM. At a 32 megabyte hard drive, and it had a CGA monitor, which is code for "Hey, this is so shitty that it only has eight colors." But eight colors is better than four, guys, right? Oh, right, of course, guys? of course. And we had that sucker forever. You would not believe the things you had to do that to that machine just to get it to play very, very simple, like 256k games. It's remarkable that PCs still exist. Really, it, it really is. Gosh, I, I just remember the, the conversations we used to have and the, the scale of things compared to now. That should we get a gigabyte hard drive? D- the earlier, do you ever need a hard drive? <laughs> See, when you said gigabyte, it reminded me my cousins bought a two gigabyte hard drive when it was still very, very early on in the, the big hard drive game. And I remember going to their house and saying, what in the world do you need two gigs for? You are never going to fill two gigs of space. How would, how would you even do that? Yeah. And that's just laughable now. The concept that you would fill a hard drive was, was laughable, let alone have more than one. You know, I'm sat next to seven right now. Um, and so the idea of... of God, the Amiga, you, you could for the Amiga get an optional 20 megabyte hard drive. That was the extravagant big one. I believe there was also a 10 megabyte. And uh, it did nothing. You could, but you know, the bizarre things. This really podcast, were. when it goes out, will be more, more data than would fit on that first computer hard drive that I had. It was only 32 megs. If you wanted to play something like Jill of the Jungle... You had to install Commander Keen to get enough space to put it on the di- on the drive. It was ridiculous how how you had to screw around with that machine. Yeah, it, you just didn't expect. Things were just such a struggle to get them work, to work, and you didn't expect everything to work because some of it just never worked. No, I remember being at the grocery store and they used to have shareware in the checkout aisles which would be a really novel thing to see today. Even to see shareware anywhere would be crazy. But you would get one of those things for like $5. It would be a five and a half inch or five and a quarter inch floppy or a three and a half inch floppy, depending on what generation we're talking about. You'd take it home and you'd be like, I hope this works when I put it in. That was how it was. There was was no guarantee. Just completely bizarre compared to now. Completely. It's such a different world now. The, the idea, and, uh, you know, the, the idea that there was no patching of software for a long time. If it Unless you did it yourself. Yeah. If it didn't you, work, it didn't work. Right. Done. I mean, theoretically, there, there was no internet to go to to look up any way to fix it. But if you had been practicing and knew your stuff, you could theoretically decompile an, an executable file, write whatever patch you needed, and recompile it so that it would work. Those were the days. Which you ended up having to do that with a lot of batch files for games. 
Because a lot of the times the batch file that would come native on the disk would be written for a different piece of hardware that you had. Kids today have no idea of this. Kids today. When did the original Xbox come out? Because that is the point I, I think modern gaming really kicked off. In fact, maybe the original PlayStation. Uh, the PlayStation, I think, was 97, 98, and the Xbox came a few years later, maybe 2000, 2001. Well, we have, according to Wikipedia, uh, oh, hang on, no, I'm not looking at the PlayStation console, 32-bit console, in 2000, is that right? No. Can't possibly be right, because we were playing it my freshman year of right. college, which would yeah. have been 98. First availability, December 94 in Japan, September 95 over here, uh, why is there no U.S. launch? What's N.A.? Oh, North America. I am a dumbass. I did not <laughs> prove that enough tonight. 95. You got it 20 days before we did. So it came out a lot earlier than I actually got to play with it, which is typically what happens with consoles. You know, to this day, I still have never, ever, ever once, not even for 30 seconds, touched either an Xbox or a 360. Really? I, it just actually, hasn't happened. Yeah. I, I think you'd love one. But, I think I would too, but the deal is that I, I was really thinking what to buy when that generation of consoles came out, and it was either get the Xbox 360 and play a lot of games alone, or get the Wii and try to get Lisa to maybe play some some active like uh, you know bowling and skiing and that sort of thing. I, I admire your motivation there. That's that's very honorable. It really is. Did it work? Uh, to a large degree, yeah. I mean, if if she's in a good mood, Lisa will get up and bowl or play maybe a little bit of tennis or something. See, the the trouble with living with a, another gamer is she uses your console and your TV. That is really, really nice about being me because I never have to wrestle with Lisa for my computer or my downstairs setup. We We have ended up with two Xbox 360s in this house. Well, we used to. Mine red-ringed. But we, we ended up getting a second one. I don't know if that's bad at all. But that's what we have. That was another reason that played into my, my choice between the two. was because at that point in time, it was something ridiculous. Like 68% of all <laughs> Xboxes were red ringing. I think it was I a higher said, percentage than that. It was a very bad thing that happened I, there. I, I mentally lowballed it. Because, yeah, I didn't want to highball it. But, um, yeah, it was like... Um, it was virtually all. Yeah, mine has red ring once before. This is a fixed one that has broken again. Uh, but I, I don't know. They will fix it for £75 or something. Which I find to be criminal. <clears throat> it's very much out of warranty. And they did expend, extend a three-year warranty. But it's not shutting down because you're doing anything bad to it. It's shutting down because they made it shittily. Yeah. Yeah, that's so entirely true. charging you to fix a shitty product. It's like that scene in Tommy Boy where he says, you know, uh, I, uh, um, what's the thing about the warranty? I can't remember. You just shove your head up a cow's ass and I don't know, whatever. I, I don't remember Tommy Boy. I have seen it, unfortunately. Um, now I feel compelled to look up the book. you got to look it up. Go ahead. <laughs> So the the PC in the 90s brought a lot... That was the main gaming platform. My first console was an Xbox. And I can't... Was it just the SNES and the Mega Drive? Or the Genesis for you? Yeah, that's always been that's, amusing to me. That you call it the Mega Drive, which is it's just so bizarre. It's just what it was here. We didn't know We didn't know that yours was called the Genesis until a couple of years ago. Until the internet came along and yeah. started highlighting these international differences. Well, it was, yeah, it was just watching TV, uh, not TV shows, internet shows about old gaming and hearing this and the Genesis, the Sega Genesis. And you're like, what the fuck is this? So you go and look it up and you realize that's a Mega Drive. Okay. The Genesis was a beautiful machine. It was so superior, in my opinion, to the um, SNES. I think it had much better game support. Um, but I, I don't know how much of a technically better machine it was. I'm, I, we didn't bother with things like that in those days. 
it didn't matter, did it? It was all about which game you got and which game you wanted and what kind of gameplay yeah. you wanted. Because we, the Genesis was much more geared toward things like fighting games and sports games. Well, it's pretty much the same difference. The, the difference between Sega and Nintendo in those days is the same difference between Nintendo and everybody else now. Which is interesting because Sega now primarily makes games for Nintendo. That's one of those cats and dogs living together situations that I never thought I'd see in my entire existence is a Sega game on a Nintendo console. It would be akin to Nike buying out all of Reebok's properties and rebranding Reebok as the new Nike Reebok. It's just weird. It, it's like Pepsi making Coke. It's like, it's, it's just so weird. It's like Ronald McDonald shilling burgers for Burger King. It's precisely what it's like. It's like Apple licensing the Mac OS to Dell. I was going to say, it's it's like Apple using Windows? What? (laughs) Oh, sorry, did I touch a raw nerve? No, no, we we thought it was going to happen once. (laughs) So you never know. But that's what it's like, Sega games on a Nintendo console. Sonic vs. Mario in a game? Isn't that what I spent ten years of my life shouting, shouting about? Now you've made it a game? was bizarre and the advertising campaigns between the two of those properties were so vicious yeah they were the whole thing it was it was mind you we we still get this now i mean it's not that the whole area the field of technology is not as settled down or anything it's now xbox versus playstation or android versus ios or whatever windows versus mac of course, I've picked the right one in every case. That's just how I roll. But it's 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 all sports teams. I mean, yeah. Mac has its place that it does things really really well that I like, and I use a Mac at work. And Windows does things that I really really like, and I use a PC at home. And there's a time and a place where one is superior, and the there's a time and a place where the other is superior. There's no need to be so entrenched politically about what you know which one is best. But it's I guess it's fun to choose a, a team. I, I suppose so. I think you're right. It is sports teams, but um, the Mac is best. So. <laughs> Do you know, the, the other day, uh, we we had some issues with our BT Infinity, with our internet, and uh, I was speaking to their technical help woman. And the, we were coming to the end of the call, and for some reason, uh, she mentioned that she didn't like Macs. And I felt compelled to ask her why, and... I nearly hung up on her. It was there was no other reason to for me to be have been unpleasant with this woman. She, you know, sorted everything out quite reasonably, and everything like that. It was a great phone call, but I don't like. There was very much the same thing. There was very much the same thing back then that there is now. You know, now people are very emotionally attached. They they choose I'm a Mac and I'm a PC as part of their identity, who they are, how they want other people to see them. Back then, it was very much the same thing with. Well, kind of a three-way thing going on. Nintendo, Sega, and then there was the PC gamer element, which it seems like that was a lot stronger back then. It was a lot stronger back then. Without I don't know. Based on game sales, it seems like it's a lot stronger now. I I think the difference was, was back in those days, I felt at least that there was a great deal of difference between the PC and what the consoles could do. You know, uh, for... For a little while, the consoles had it, I think, in the early days. But then, you know, once we had PCs, they were just so vastly superior to consoles. And especially the play- the original PlayStation, which I was never a fan of. I I'd hated that thing. I thought the games looked shonky on it. I really did. Uh, and But now, it's a lot closer. We're ne- we're, we're obvious- right now, today, we're in a tail-off period where the PCs are quite a long way in front of the consoles again. And oh, easily. Of, and sort of next year... There'll be a new console. There'll be a PS4 and an Xbox 720, whatever, and they will catch right up again, perhaps surpass, and then it will drop off again as PCs advance. Uh, and we're we're at the tail end of a, a console generation, of the longest ever console generation, so far. Uh, the Wii U is planning to bring out the what is it, the ninth generation of consoles? I have no idea. That seems a bit high. What did we, we start? We can count this, especially in Nintendo terms, because you've got the NES, the SNES. The well, you're you're already skipping. Because what about Atari? 
were they a generation? Did they count as a whole generation on their own? Well, well, sure. I think when you're going by generation, at least up until now, because I, I think there's the law of diminishing returns playing into it, but um, up until now, each generation would have been a, a, a bit set, right? I mean, you've got your 4-bit stuff with the Atari, right? Yeah. and then your 8-bit with the Nintendo and the Sega Master System. And then you've got 16-bit with your SNES and your Sega Genesis. From there, it was, well, the Genesis had an awful lot, of, or the Sega stuff had a lot of stuff that went into it. Sega CD, um, a couple other failed attempts. Yeah, they tried to drag it out a bit, didn't they? Did Nintendo you? had this N64, which I skipped all of the Sega stuff. I never played any of that, but college was very much yeah. the N64. Yeah, the N64 came out my first year of university and is arguably the reason why I failed that first year. <laughs> Coupled with uh, glandular fever as well, which was quite bad. Now, up until college, I had been very, very much a PC gamer. I mean, there were all those great games, some of which we've already mentioned. You've got your Quake, um, your Doom, uh, all those first-person shooters that started coming out. But once you hit college, it was that cooperative dorm room play. Yeah. And my dorm room had somebody in front of that goddamn N64 or the PlayStation, because we had both in our room. Uh, there was somebody in my room every hour of the day playing our consoles, which I, I, I don't get how that worked. But it was an open-door, rotating gamepad policy. I lived in that house, too. It sounds like you had a very similar college experience to me. Well, well, I think that's just how it was everywhere for college then, because I've talked to any number of people who all say, yes, there was always somebody playing a GoldenEye deathmatch in my dorm room in 1998. I mean, it's, it's like a universal constant. It was. It, it, just people came in and you sat down and played. It was, it just or you would, like you would trade off um, Mario 64 runs, or yeah. you would trade off... Um, one of the big ones in my dorm was four-player N64 WWF or WWE games. We had four-player GoldenEye, which was a popular one for many, many months. And, always, and always going in our room. Do you know what I'm going to say to the kids again? We played four-player GoldenEye on a 14-inch television. Right. And we had a 21-inch. So... I mean, there's a level of differentiation there. I can't imagine anything less than that, though. Especially, you're not talking about different screens. You're talking about dividing it up into quadrants. Yeah, yeah. You'd all sit about a foot from the screen and play Goldeneye. That was just how it worked. Weird to think that now. But that's that's how we did it. It wasn't until we got... We, we, I didn't have a bigger TV than that, really, for a couple of years after. I moved to Wakefield with all the university people that you know um, and we got a 36 inch TV that was like living in the future which we got on 9-11 on the day as things it was actually quite handy that that's what we had to do that day was rent the television because as it was all unfolding it meant we were in a store with hundreds of televisions all tuned to that so everyone was out for hours just watching it on TV that was a creepy day at college, yeah. and that sounds actually like a show that we should talk about sometime. We should do that. That is a that's quite a good one actually, because um, I I remember that day perfectly. I mean, just so clearly, it's remarkable. But yeah, my point why I'm skirting the issue: we were renting a TV that day. That was one of the things we were doing. It was huge, and that was what eventually got the PlayStation Two and the Xbox connected to it, and and constantly, twelve people sat in front of it all taking it on turns on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 to do a two-minute round each. Now, which platform would that have been on? That was on the PS2. Okay. That one. I did eventually get it for the Xbox, but I was never any good at it, so screw that game. That would have been right when the PS2 came out, like, uh, immediately. Oh, yeah, Tristan got one pretty much on launch. It cost him a fortune. Uh, I remember there was a run on those. The PS2, I think they were running up at like six, seven, eight hundred dollars based on where you were and what the demand was. I don't remember how much he paid for it, but he did get it remarkably early. Really early. Uh, I think probably, yeah, 2001 when it came out here. Uh, and it was unlike anything we'd seen before. It was just remarkable. And that was, 
that was for me when things got serious with consoles and i just ditched pcs altogether because i was i was said that you go ahead you didn't you said that you didn't like the ps1 but did you end up playing it before you went on to the ps2 no and i I never owned a playstation i know i've never owned a sony console okay all right i i've always had xboxes so was that a huge jump for you then yeah, but it was it was fantastic. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I've never wished to go back to PC gaming properly since then. At all. Cause, and, and do you know what? What's happened to me in the last couple of weeks shows up perfectly why I hate PC gaming. And that is simply because I don't have the resources to make the games that I want to play play like I want to play them. In the chat room here, and we should say that there's a bunch of people hanging out with us tonight. There's Daniel, Exploded Dragon, Tealy, Carlos, Usagi Maru, um, a bunch of people hanging out with us here in the chat room at simplysyndicated.com. Um, they're talking about this X- XKCD com- comic. Have you seen it? Did you click on that link that they posted? I haven't. I will click on it now. It's from a while ago. It says Mac PC, and the gist is um, it's based on those I'm a Mac, I'm a PC commercials. Not sure if you got those over there. Yeah, we did. We got. We actually had an English version of them. Oh, really? Have you ever seen Peep Show? Uh, I'm aware of it, but no, I've never sat and watched well, it. It was, it was those guys. Okay. All right. Um, the, the punchline of the comic, though, is I'm a Mac, I'm a PC, and since you do everything through a browser now, we're pretty much indi- indistinguishable. Yeah, that's pretty much true. Which is why I say I keep on needing to get you to play some Team Fortress 2. I've downloaded it. I've been looking for my wireless mouse dongle, and Allison found it the other day. I so was, we got to play. Yeah. I feel like fragging you a couple times. I, I was just talking to Kevin the other night when we were worried that you'd been killed or something. <laughs> And uh, it came up, and and so he mentioned I was I should join you after you because you do Atomic Trivia War, and then you play. Is that right? Every Thursday night we sit down at eight thirty. We record an episode of Atomic Trivia War. We don't do it live, so don't try to join us in the chat room. It won't work. I promise you. But yeah, around about nine thirty or so, if you hop into the um, the Steam Simply Syndicated group, yeah, you'll probably see us all there, I, all I, logging into TF two. I will do so. But, it's good times. And so I, I've recently been playing uh, Civilization V, as I believe I've mentioned. And I'm loving Which it. Which is another cross-platform one, Mac or PC, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we're, we're going to get a big game of that going. So if you ever want to play, we're, we're going to try that. Um, but I'm running it on my MacBook Pro. And it's on the, the least graphic setting that it can be on. Nothing is on even medium. It's all on low or off or whatever. And that's a 1,000 pound laptop. And it's run, it can barely run it. And when you get into the, towards the end of the game, the amount of time it takes it to calculate its next move is, it feels too long. It takes far longer to calculate the next move than it takes you to have your move. And so I'm left thinking, you know, what the hell do I need to buy to get this damn game to work properly? It's an odd one. It seems like it's an awfully inefficient compilation of of that program because, I mean, I've never played Civ V, but based on my knowledge of Civ, it's just just a bunch of databases overlaid with a graphical overlay, right? I suppose so. And and it's not like it's rendering anything in real time. It's not like it's keeping track of people moving extremely quickly across the grid in relationship to each other. It's just your move, now it's your move, now it's your move, all turn-based, right? Yeah. So what's dragging? No idea. It's just a very big game. Let me see if I can bring up Steam and see what the actual system requirements for it are. Um, it's actually just quicker to go to the website for Steam than to try and load that bloody... That's what I was going to do. <laughs> and I, I think it's, you know, basically... I have the... It's the uh, Intel HD 3000 graphics, uh, which are a very basic graphics card i mean that was the one thing they upgraded in the new macbook pros the other day that i was a bit sore that i don't have was the the better uh intel graphics where are the minimum requirements dual core cpu two gigs of ram eight gigabytes of hard drive space 
Probably with modern games, the video card requirements are the most important things. That's yeah. it's a two hundred fifty six meg card that it requires a ATI HD twenty six hundred XT or better, or probably most of us with an NVIDIA, it's a seventy nine hundred GS or better. See, and I mine's the the very bottom one that's listed there, the and Intel HD three thousand. So it's only just getting on the list. Um. I mean, the the rest of my laptop, it's got 4 gigs of memory, it's a Core i5 3.2 gigahertz turbo boost thing. It's not a slow PC. You know, it's just, it takes a lot to run this, this game, and it's really frustrating. that you can Bizarre. Still, you can still go out and spend £1,000. It's a lot of money on a computer. In fact, it's, until, it's just so much money. I never owned a PC that cost as much as my laptop. At all. And it will barely play Civilization Five. My Xbox plays perfectly every game I put in it. Job done. Exploded Dragon in the chat room says, "Yeah, that's you know why he sticks with a PC because a PC is cheaper and they're basically the same machines now anyway." I the the trouble is, I mean, it's, I it it, it is basically the same. I understand what they're saying, and you know, I kind of Especially, agree with the XKCD post. The difference is, is that I do a lot of stuff that I really couldn't do with a PC, or would be less easy. Or le- I do a lot of the stuff that you do with yours at work. Yeah, you know, so that's why I have a Mac. It's uh, my gaming takes place on the Xbox now, and it's only just recently, and it's just because Civ Five was cheap. I just had heard a lot about it. I don't play a lot of games on my computer at all. And uh, <clears throat> basically, because none of them run on this Mac Pro, but entirely because of the graphics card. See, it's that's the the problem. I'm not a normal con- consumer. You see, if I wanted to play games, I'd get a PC. No, no argument. If you want to play games on a desktop computer, you get a PC, without a doubt, just through through availability of games. But if you want to edit audio and HD video. You get a Mac. Pretty much. I, I just think, you know, I'll say it. If you want to do anything other... If you don't want to play games, just get a Mac. That's where I, I am with it. I can edit audio on mine. I do. I, I edit Atomic Trivia War every week. I know. And oh. my software was free because we just use Audacity. Oh, I know. I hate Audacity. I refuse to use Audacity. <laughs> There's just... No. No way. Not, not any way am I going to use Audacity. It's not a real thing to me. By all means, use it. I, you know, that's that's your <laughs> business. But I, I'm going to use Logic because you know what? It might have been a hundred and whatever pounds, uh, but it's better than Audacity. It it just is. Um, that's just where I am with it. So that's that's it. And plus, I just think you know, after the last OS ten, I we we're getting into this, aren't we? We just. We were supposed to talk about games, and now I've gotten on to why Macs are better. It always filters down to the platform uh, war with us, but sh- should we segue back into games? Let's segue back into games. We'll, we'll have the Mac PC debate another day. Where were we even? I think we'd worked up to like the PS2? I was, I, yeah, something like that. I was, it was enough to get me onto moaning about graphics cards. <laughs> and that's what it is. I I was never satisfied with any PC gaming experience because it always needed a better graphics card. And you, I never had a good enough graphics card at any point ever. And so the console allows me to just not give a damn about this. I don't pay attention to PC gaming. I'm aware, I've had it explained to me that the PC version of Battlefield 3 is light years ahead of the Xbox version of Battlefield 3. But do you know what? The Xbox version is fine. And there's still the shitty Wii version of whatever that I can poke fun at. So it's all all right. It's not just the version being light years ahead. It's that you can't play an FPS the way that it's supposed to be played on anything but a PC. You have to have a mouse. Don't Uh, even try bringing your shitty gamepad up in my house when we're playing. Really want to go this way. Okay. Um, Because I'm. I I have. You're talking to someone who played first-person shooters on PCs from the very beginning. I'm aware of the the mouse and keyboard system, and I'm very much a fan of it. However, 
I am also a fan of the, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? The controller method. I, I think both work just fine. I under, it, it kind of doesn't matter which is better because you don't, the two don't mix. You can't play some. Uh, you can't be playing a game where both methods are being used at the yeah. same time. I have heard of times when Microsoft have tested it and found that the keyboard players annihilate the console players every single time. Yeah, it's because the console has a discrete um, movement speed. You you can't make the gamepad turn any faster. The joystick will only turn at a certain rate. But I can change the mouse precision rate. I can change the mouse speed rate. I can change everything about that to make it more efficient. I can headshot you before you've even got your thumb moving in the right direction with that gamepad. But that's not the issue. You see, what you're, I have to interrupt. What you said there is half right, because you can change the sensitivity of your controller and the speed at which it works. You, and you do have a degree of control over how fast it moves, because it's, it's analog. You know, I can move slowly or I can move quickly. You're right in that there is, an, there is ultimately a top speed and that maybe you can move your hand on a mouse faster than that computer will move with a joypad thumbstick. Every time. Yeah, but there is a degree of control there and it is adjustable. But that's not even the, the question here. The real thing that rankles me is when you're playing a, an online FPS on the PC... Like, for instance, I know I keep on coming back to it, but it's probably the best one, Team Fortress 2. Right. And you have some chump on your team who keeps on dying, and you find out that they're using an Xbox 360 controller plugged into their fucking PC, and that's why they keep on dying. Oh, that's their problem. I Yeah, I wouldn't attempt to play Team Fortress 2 on the PC with a an Xbox controller. That is madness. The two shouldn't mix. But you get <clears> these <throat> kids, again... There, there's the really good kids and there's the really stupid kids. You're, al- you're always going to get your ass handed to you by an eight-year-old. But at the same time, there's lots of kids who grew up with the consoles and nothing else. And when they finally get a PC of their own, they plug that damn console uh, controller into it because they feel better with the gamepad. It feels more natural to them. They feel more practiced, practiced with it. Yeah, well, I mean, and don't forget, Microsoft sells it as a PC controller. It's not as simple as just plugging your Xbox One in. You have yeah. to go and get the Windows version. So they're pushing it. Microsoft always have with their game. They've had some spectacular game controllers over the years. For as much as I berate Microsoft software, their hardware is legendary. And oh, I've got I've got a, a 360 controller for my PC too. It's just that you can't use it for an FPS. There's some games that it's made for. It's beautiful. You're going to play Burnout Paradise City? Yeah. Controller is where it's at. You've got to have the, that gamepad. I mean, do you remember Force Feedback? Oh, very much so. I, I've got a force feedback um, joystick for playing old flight sim games. I used to love that. Flight sims, that's a genre of game that just went away. Well, there's very limited range that you can do with a flight sim. That's true. It didn't used to stop them, though. And then ultimately, they became... It was, it was always an issue. It should have been about achieving a mix between realism and arcade playability. You know, now we have just anything that comes with a plane in it is just pure arcade style. And you, you usually view things from outside. Uh, and then there's the other extreme, like X-Plane or Microsoft Flight Simulator, where you literally can learn to fly a plane doing this. If anything, that takes us back to 9-11, because that's what they did. And that, to me, wasn't fun. That was too much. You had to literally learn to fly a plane. Yeah, I, I never got into that. And Microsoft Flight Simulator was everywhere back in the, the late 90s. You couldn't go into a store without seeing that. But the price, have you seen the price on that sucker oh, lately? It, it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? The barrier to entry for those types of games is, is just out astronomical. I honestly think it must be related to the fact, first of all, it's low appeal. And so that raises your price straight away. But also the fact, you know, to make something of that detail and that real, that's got to take a lot of work, hasn't it? I mean, that, oh, that's got that's to be harder than making the next Mario game, I'm sure. There's also the other genre of flight sim games, which weren't really simulators so much as they were flight arcade games. And it seems that there's a dearth of those lately, the, the 3D ones at least, or it might be just that I'm not running in the right PC circles, but... I'm talking about games like Descent. Do you remember Descent? 
That one I don't remember. It was a sci-fi first-person flyer, and you were in this, you know, like like is the case with all flight games, an experimental Sorry, not, spacecraft. You'd not, fly through the tunnels. Not only do I remember this, I owned this. Yeah, I, I had this. Didn't play it much, though. It was a very, very good game. It was a lot of fun. There was Descent, there was Descent 2, and then it just seems like that genre tapered off. It it did. It just it just died away, and now it's it's all very arcadey. I have, I've had a couple of World War Two ones recently. One for the Xbox, and it just doesn't just doesn't cut it. Unfortunately, I don't know. Thing th- genres of games certainly have changed, and now we just seem to have so many first person shooters. It's ridiculous. Um, I've kind of I'm in a low slump with games, to be honest. I think that's why I'm enjoying Civ Five so much. Of late, everything on the Xbox is just a damn first-person shooter, or a or, or a role-playing game that looks like a first-person shooter, and anything else. I don't know. I might have gone the Formula One game in a bit. It's weird because with the PC, it seems to be the opposite. It seems like the things that are really, really taking off with PC gaming are really experimental formulas. Things like um, uh, indie games like Super Meat Boy or Minecraft or th- things that just don't fit into the old categories anymore. I like that though. I think it, it's good. People should think of new categories of games. I wish I could think of, of more titles to be exact, but it just seems like everything that I look at, um, you know, Steam has from time to time like the Humble Bundle with the indie developers that they they have all these just weird little, they're, they're, they're small games. They're not even really like graphically intense games. They're just like, what if we take these three different mechanics and mix them together and make something new? That's know, the kind of games that are I, thriving. I think the phones have got something to do with this. I, I really do. I think there's a lot of new game ideas that have come out purely because people have been thinking about a different input mechanism and making things simple and easy. When you look at big games like, I mean, Angry Birds is huge. There's a, there's a damn cartoon coming. We were in Toys R Us the other week. There are there are Angry Birds toys. Yeah, the plushies seem to be everywhere, and T-shirts here. Yeah. Um, kids the age that my wife teaches, uh, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, that that age range, they seem to be treating Angry Birds like we treated Super Mario Brothers stuff. Yeah, it's it's. What's happening at the moment? Uh, the uh, there's a Heike Kovalainen, the Formula One driver, has his helmet painted to look like a red Angry Bird. He's sponsored by them. You know, I I really like that whole thing though. I like that kids are are jumping on to less is more type games because for a while I was really concerned that they were going to miss all the fun that we used to have with things that were really simple like Pac Man. Yeah, I think they're getting a good idea of the simple things. What else? I mean, there's that. Plants vs. Zombies is huge. World of Goo is a great little game with a lovely little mechanic to it. Uh, again, one that's really hard to classify. It yeah. doesn't fit into any of the traditional ones. Um, that That's very popular games at the moment. Um, I'm trying to find them on Steam. and there's nothing- I don't think that... I don't think the kids would ever do well if they were handed something that was on an old Atari or was on an Amiga or, or whatever, you know, those really low bit games were back in the day. But I think that there's a level of simplicity that we can raise them on before we just hand them things like uh, Battlefield 2 or something. Yeah. You've got to start somewhere, I think, is the, the thing with it. You've got to start somewhere. How long have we been going? We've been going a while. We should probably stop now. We do need to wrap it up because i got to run to another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But that was it's always good to talk about these things. We've still got lots left to say about computer games, I think. Oh, hell yeah. We didn't even scratch the surface. No. So we'll come back to this. Tell us about... Oh, yeah. So that was kind of a 90s game thing. But that's cool. Um, yeah, there's lots of stuff about 80s games. It's history now. Bizarrely enough, I don't want to think about that. So, 90s PC gaming. It's a good... I hated it. I hated it. I really did. Thank God we came out the other end of it okay. I loved it. It was my favorite part. (laughs) Bless you, 90s PC. We didn't even talk about things like Jedi Knight 1 and 2 for the PC. Such good games, formative games. 
paved whole new ways for innovation. All the X-Wing games. They used to be good Star Wars games. Yeah, LucasArts actually used to know what it was doing. Yeah. Curse of Monkey Island, all that stuff that they came out with. The Indiana Jones games. We'll come back to these then. There's lots to cover. A treasure trove to mine. Lots to cover. Get on the forum at simplysyndicated.com slash forums and tell us what you think and what you've done with your computer gaming. I'm also interested to know how old you all are and what you remember. What was your first console? Because that just makes me feel grown up or old. One or and the what other. game have you played the most? Because it seems like games now are more and more disposable. Yeah, I think they are. I wouldn't care to guess, but maybe Age of Empires, which was a PC game. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know if you count all the Grand Theft Autos together. It's difficult to know. It's scary, but I think mine would have had to be an Atari game. Really? Uh, maybe like Demon Attack or something like that. It was just so simple. It was addictive, but it was all we had. It, it was. That was it. And we played games to death. God, we did. Way past the point where it was worth it. It's what you had to do, though. That was just it. So, without further ado, let's let's call quits and you can go and get a drink or something and prepare <laughs> for further trivia. Uh, if you want to email us, it's... Uh, remastered at simplysyndicated.com I've mentioned the forum please if you can help us out we appreciate any donations of money and cold hard cash that you can supply us with it's how we keep going and how we keep making these shows and as we mentioned earlier in this show get over to audiblepodcast.com slash movies and sign up for Audible it's awesome and if you don't like it you can keep your book so you know just go and get a free audio book but you'll make like it, it. June. You, you, you'll like it yeah and get Dune Give that one a go. I might make that mine. I'm due one tomorrow, I think. My free book day comes around. It's not free. I pay for it. But it's new book day. I'm well behind on my audiobooks. So go and check them out. Okay. That's everything, isn't it? That is. It is. Okay. We'll catch you next time, guys. Bye-bye. See you, everybody.